a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Now, the reason why Luther says we daily exercise ourselves with the catechism, we daily read a page of the Bible, of the New Testament, or the Psalms, or some other piece of the Bible, is because by it we beat back the devil. (laughs) There's no talk of relationship there. There's none of this kind of lavender-scented piety at all. (laughs) It says, look, either you're going to be chewed up and pooped out by the devil, or you're going to read the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, uh, I mean, that's how it's not really romantic at all. It's not wrong to talk that that, that God is here. It's just a question of how is he here? Is he yeah. here in my emotions? Do I feel his presence? Or do I know he's here because of his promise? And then over the face of this Moses, you put a plastic happy Jesus mask. Because this is what most people think of Jesus. <laughs> kind of a <laughs> smiley covering up of Moses. No happy Jesus mask here. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> oh, that's what you think. <laughs> oh, well, you're wearing the happy Jesus mask over there. Just wait till we get into this one today. Oh, well, don't you tell us what we're doing today. Uh, well, so uh, we're going to do a Table Talk Radio show. All I know is I'm doing work right now getting ready for the segment, How Big a Missionalist Are You? Ah. That's my favorite game. So we're doing that. Um... I don't exactly remember what else we're are doing. Are we doing any, like, translation work today? Oh, yeah. Translating evangel. Oh, yeah. Oh, today. Oh, I remember now. Today <laughs> is our uh, going to Madagascar day. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> yeah. You and I both have been invited to go to uh, Madagascar this summer. How fantastic will this be with the how, Luther Academy? How on earth a, did the conversation go? To, I'm sorry, why don't you finish? What, what are we doing? What are we going to Madagascar? So then for? we got to go, and do, they're doing a conference for a bunch of pastors in Madagascar, and you and I are going to teach. Ah, ha, ha. Yeah, Remember now, that? How, how, did, how did on earth did that conversation go uh, about how I brought into this, was brought into this whole thing? Uh, how, oh, it was something like this. Uh, Professor Pless, was, we were talking about this trip and planning on going, and, uh, and one of the guys, unfortunately, uh, took a call that he had asked and, and uh, wasn't able to go, and he says, well... Uh, so it might just be the three of us, or we have an open spot if there's someone else to go. And I, and, uh, and I said, well, what are they supposed to teach about? And he says, oh, baptism, Lord's Supper, kind of standard stuff. And I said, well, Evan could do that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, anybody could do this. Anybody we, could teach that. Any uh, bum yeah, on sure, the street could do this. <laughs> Let's bring Evan along. <laughs> yeah, so now are we having the, the competition uh, fundraising campaign here on Table yeah, Talk so, Radio? Yeah, so... So both of us are tasked now with raising a couple of bucks to get airline tickets uh, to get over there to Madagascar. And uh, so the, the tickets, I, I thought that's no problem, 10 20 bucks for a ticket. Apparently they're more than that. <laughs> so then we turned that into a game also, which we are, are announcing right now. Oh, we should have thought of a name for it, and that is who's going to raise the most money to go to Madagascar game. <laughs> so we want you to, uh, if, if you are so inclined, dear listener, um, to... Led by the Holy Spirit in your heart. <laughs> Didn't that's you later. mean to say that? That's in, that's in the next. Uh, that's hold in the on, next hold segment. on. I forgot. We, we're supposed to totally guilt trip our listeners into giving us money here. <laughs> that's typically how this works, isn't it? Where's the Sarah McLaughlin music? <laughs> 
That's a little heavy handed, Sarah. Sing, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll sing in the background, and you do the mission plug. Okay. In if the you would like, <laughs> if you would like to support us, uh, then go to our website, tabletalkradio.org. If the Holy Spirit is leading your heart into uh, supporting uh, these poor Africans, <laughs> no, okay, that's that's good. Well, sh- cut the music. Cut the music. Now, are, now, are we? Hold on, our, I need to wipe my eyes. Let me we, wipe the tear from my eyes. <laughs> yeah, you're not that good of a singer, bud. Um, <laughs> now, are we having our listeners um, vote or you know earmark which host they're supporting in their donation? Yeah, we got to figure that out because I'm a, just as long as you understand that if you earmark it, that doesn't mean that that particular guy is going to use it. Because <laughs> I'll be sitting around Aurora while you're over there spending all this money in Madagascar, all this yeah. extra. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wanted Pretty me much. to go. But you can go to our website, tabletalkradio.org. There's a donate uh, button. And, and if, if you are giving to the Madagascar trip, uh, do uh, note that in the special uh, special comments section. Otherwise, it'll go right to Table Talk Radio. Which would probably be the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have any emails oh, today, Pastor Wolf? Oh, dang. What about buzzwords first? Oh, fine. You I go got first. a buzzword. <laughs> and my buzzword for you is missional. Ah. Have we done this what buzzword before? I don't Here's know. Here's the definition of missional. Who knows what missional means? I mean, all right, here, I'll give you the Theopedia definition. Okay. Missional is a popular term often used to describe a missionary lifestyle. It can be used to describe discipleship, leadership, a church, etc. <laughs> but it's generally used in contrast to professional missionaries, which apparently that's what will be, you know, ordained and everything, mm-hmm. theologically trained, teaching pastors. In essence, proponents claim that missional living is to be expected of all true followers of Jesus in which all are engaged in obeying the Great Commission. That's what I like to know. That's all law. Now, I have to say this. I'm, now I'm looking on Wikipedia under missional church. The missional church movement first arose during the end of the 20th century, beginning of the 21st century, a mark that it's going to be devastating. That's my own note. It doesn't say that in Wikipedia, if you're wondering. Hmm. The movement, because that's what we need in, more, in the church, more movement. How's your movement today? <laughs> Have you had a... No, that's why I'm no. going to go to the hospital after this. I'm going to say, how, how, any more movements? <laughs> that's a t-shirt right there. How's your movement today? <laughs> I, had a, I had a missional movement this morning. <laughs> Jeez, uh, the movement seeks to rethink and redefine the nature of the church and create a new paradigm, sometimes pronounced paradigm, in which the churches are seen as missional in nature instead of attractional in nature. Who the heck thinks of this nonsense? Leaders in the movement, I don't even, whew, leaders in the movement argue that instead of churches attempting to attract people to churches through church programs, how many times are you going to use the word church in this sentence? Churches should instead take uh, the gospel outside of the church and engage society with the gospel, often by being involved not only in missions and evangelism, but in social justice movements. That's what we need. How's your social justice movement? The missional church defines itself in terms of mission, being sent ones who take the gospel. Uh, and oh, this, uh, Anyway, that's your buzzword, missional. Okay. Um, I wonder if you'll be able to get that when we play the game. How big a missionalist are you? I sure hope so. My uh, theological buzz phrase for you from Theopedia is, you should, you should be able to get this, um, Campus Crusade for Christ. Oh, yeah. 
Campus Crusade for let me try that again. Campus Crusade for Christ was founded in '51 by Fuller Theological Seminary student named Bill Bright to reach the University of California Los Angeles campus, uh, which began as a small outreach by Mr. Bright and his wife uh, of the Hollywood Presbyterian Church has since grown into one of the largest evangelical Christian ministries in the world, with approximately 24,000 full-time staff globally. How many? 24,000? 24,000 full-time staff, and with a ministry presence of 171 countries. Wow. Um, Let's see. uh, Theological distinctives. This would be interesting. The theological distinctives of Campus Crusade for Christ could be best described as broadly evangelical, with a variety of views being represented among the organization's staff, ranging from dispensationalism, Reformed, Wesleyan, and Charismatic Pentecostal. However, even such, uh, even with such diversity of views, all Campus Crusade staff are required to subscribe to the organization's statement of faith, which stresses areas of doctrinal teaching on which, historically, there have been general agreement among all true Christians. These areas include justification by faith alone. I'm not sure there's always been... Uh, general agreement amongst true Christians on. <laughs> well, it depends. The, on, it's a definition of faith. So yeah, I guess faith so. is your choice. Justification yeah. by your choice alone. Yeah, the divinity and virgin birth of Christ, the Godhead as triune, and the inerrancy of Scripture. Now, let me just read the section under justification. Oh yeah, okay. Campus Crusade publishes and utilizes a tract known as Have You Heard of the Four Spiritual Laws to explain their particular view of justification by faith as an evangelical tool. This tool has been modified over the years and is published uh, and is published a variety of forms such as Would You Like to Know God Personally and Good News, which has been written for children in a comic book form. So, Pastor Wolfner, since I know you are right in this um in this camp here. <laughs> yeah. What are the four spiritual sure. laws? The first is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, which is obvious. The second is that sin separates you from God. The third is that Jesus has bridged the gap between you and God by dying on the cross. And the third and the fourth is you can have a relationship with God uh, by accepting Christ. Something like oh. that. How's that sound? So if that's then the definition of justification, um, <laughs> we're going to have a problem with that because that would make justification in part do what man does, that man self-justifies when making a decision. Yep. which is problematic because when you put justification upon you, uh, upon the person's doing, and the person is a sinner, that will draw your justification into question. It will. Yeah. Okay, well, we only have about a minute in this segment. I Pastor got an Wolf. email here. Okay. This is a Table Talk Radio haiku. This is from Jeffrey, just a Lutheran layman. Oh, uh, hmm. just. I don't take justice to... Oh. Uh, it's, uh, here's, the, here's the haiku. Table Talk Radio, undeniably mediocre, and laugh-out-loud obnoxious. Wait, that's Pastor Wolfmuller, not the show. I have been blessed, edified, and equipped by this pure doctrine cult. Now, if you look at the poem, the letters start T-U-L-I-P. Wait a minute. That's offensive. It is offensive. Particularly offensive to our Calvinist listeners. I know. Way to go. That's a good email to questions at tabletalkradio.org. When we get back, we're going to be translating some evangelicalisms just for you. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
show. It's a relationship. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. I'm particularly excited for this trip to Madagascar for this, well, I should say for the full reason, but primarily for the reason, so Pastor Wolfmuller, I think this is going to be a growing experience for you, Pastor Wolfmuller, because <laughs> we were talking about the difficulty of, uh, of teaching a class with a translator and how it will remove um, for you uh, any of this advantage you have, because... Um, you know, we've always we always said, Pastor, how you uh, aren't really all that funny, but people just laugh at the fact that you're laughing. Yes. Well, when all of uh, all the Malagasy students start laughing at you before they hear the translation, <laughs> that will be confirmed in you. So I think uh, I think this will be a revealing. <laughs> you also think I'm going to be disturbed by the losing the momentum of a translator? That we never, by the way, speaking of losing momentum, made the point about why our games today are connected to the fact that we're going to Madagascar. So we're doing translating evangelicalism because we got to translate stuff in Madagascar. And then we are doing the game, How Big a Missionalist Are You? Because we're big missionalists. Yeah, we are. And then we're doing some other game that also has to do with going to Madagascar. Oh, yeah. Ten Commandments in the new in the African News is the, oh, yeah. the last thing. That's good. You might want to look into that. <laughs> I <Okay>. will. <laughs> uh, so, Pastor, okay. what by what criteria do we consider uh, various things for determining how big of a missionalist are you? We're doing that now. I thought we were translating evangelicalisms. Oh yeah, I was just saying for future reference. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, translating. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> you definitely better not mess me up the order here. Things are coming together as they're cooking. <laughs> like I said today, uh, this segment we're going to be doing some uh, translating evangelicals. Now I have a couple uh, sent to uh, me here, um, uh, here at uh, my Evan at tabletalkradio.org. This comes from uh, Katie in Portland, Oregon. Did you know we have? Uh, at least two listeners in Oregon. That's crazy. And I'm not even counting myself because I don't listen to the program. I didn't even think that there was like any Christians in Oregon. <laughs> Much less Lutherans, I know. It says, hello, pastors. I was wondering if you could add good word or that is a good word to your list to be translated. Also, the question, how is God working in your life? If that one has already been done, direct me to that episode. Uh, thank you for your show. It is very entertaining, and educational. I appreciate it. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katie, for listening and writing in uh, Table Talk Radio. Um, no, we have not done these yet, so let's take the first one. Pastor yes. Wolfmother, if you could translate for us, that is a good word. Could you use that in a sentence, please? Yes, that is a good word. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That is a sentence? <laughs> that is a good word. I wonder what that means. Uh. I'm trying to remember when I might have heard this in context. Someone, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, someone's, uh, what would someone be giving a word? That nor Normally that comes across in the charismatic contents. I got a word for you. In fact, mm. I remember some dude told me that one time. The guy, I can't remember his name, Jonathan or something. He was a prophet and he also owned a gun and knife store. And I met oh, him yeah. at the playground in Nevada at Reno and he had a word of the Lord from me, for me, because he was a prophet. And I said, I'm a pastor. And he says, well, I come before you in the list. God gave some to be prophets, <laughs> some to be apostles. Of course. Some to be prophets, some to be pastors and teachers. And I said, oh, what's the word of the Lord that you have for me? And, uh, and he said, oh, the word that the Lord has for you today is 
uh, you should believe in his apostles. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold. Convenient. <laughs> I said, oh, I'd love to. I'd just like to see some sort of sign from you. You know what I should have said, though? I should have said, that's a good word, brother. That's a good word. Good word. <laughs> All right. So is this a, is an affirmation that what someone has just said is is actually from the Lord? I think that would be how it is. It's like... Uh, it's like, here, I think this comes from the Holy Spirit, but I'm not quite sure because it's not in the Bible. So we're all going to take a vote. And someone says, I think it's a good word. And someone else says, I think it's a good word. And they're like, oh, majority rules from mm. the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, it just so happens that uh, the author to the Hebrews says, uh, long ago in many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old. How? By, By the, the prophets? prophets. But now, in these last days... Uh, he has spoken to us by his son. So it would seem that the age in which the Lord is speaking to his people through the prophets has been ended, at least according to the author of the Hebrews, uh, God's holy word, by the way. Um, he has now uh, spoken through his son. And what do we have of his son? Well, we have of, you know, things like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or epistles from from Paul, or Peter, or, uh, or John, or, you know, so, so we have... Um, the, the New Testament, the, the Holy Scriptures as our word from God, and not a prophet. And uh, and this is what we cling to. This is the very uh, certainty that we have, that the Lord speaks to us not through prophets, but through his holy word. Typical Fort Wayne guy. Yeah. Quenching the spirit, yeah. hating the lost, <laughs> insisting on the external word. <laughs> I can't abide by this. That's a good word right there is what it is. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's right. I, su- I suppose we should listen to the Bible. Mm-hmm. I, I, by the way, someone was asking me about this this morning, this very question this morning. What's the danger of, of having visions and things? Uh, I, just, I mean, just personally, two of the very darkest moments of my own life were when I was convinced that the Lord was speaking to me, and then that vision or the, the word, the impression, didn't happen. And that is simply devastating. I mean, kind of... You you wonder if you have faith left after that. I mean, this is so demonic, uh, uh, such a trap to always be looking for the Lord's word. And and here's the problem: is that is that if we're looking for another word outside the word, then what we're saying is that the scriptures aren't sufficient. I mean, at least the Catholics come along and they say, yeah, we don't think the scriptures are sufficient. That's why we need tradition. At least they're honest about it. The evangelicals aren't honest about it. They say we just have the Bible, but then everyone has their own interpretation of it, which is to say that the Bible isn't sufficient. And we might, the, the kind of leftovers, I think, that you'll find in uh, most evangelical churches, the leftovers of sola uh, scriptura is only that we have to and uh, we have to understand these new revelations or visions or prophecies in light of what the scriptures say. So it's not that the scriptures are sufficient as you said, but but th- this is just sort of the filter. So we're going to get some word from the prophet and say, "Okay, does this match up?" or or better, better put it this way, uh, is there any contradiction that we can see um against the scriptures? If not, okay, then that's a valid that's a valid prophecy. But here's the problem with that. First of all, if if uh, we have to compare everything to the Bible, why not just use the Bible? <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if that's the standard way to analyze everything, let's just use that. <laughs> Secondly, um, uh, if if I was now, I'm I'm not that bright of a guy, Pastor Wolf Miller. I I kind of just um, no, fig- figuring no, things out as I go. Don't discount yourself. No, but, no, <laughs> you're at least a forty watt bulb. If 
If I was the deceiver, <laughs> I think that I would masquerade as an angel of light, uh, saying good things to someone, the things that, that might agree with the scriptures a little bit, in order to get someone to trust me before I lead them down the wrong path. Now, mm-hmm. if I can figure that out, a 40-watt bulb, then I think the devil can figure that out, too. So we best not just listen to prophecies and dreams. We just listen to the scriptures. Yeah. I I agree. I concur. Okay, I got another one for you. Pastor Wolfmuller, how is God working in your life? (laughs) This is it, you know? This is right along with the question of, like, uh, how's your walk? I don't know. Uh, That's the Christian version of what... So, um, (laughs) I just caught myself there. Uh, uh, So, how's God working in your life? So, here's the assumption, and that is this. I mean, this is an amazing kind of fundamental weirdness of evangelicalism, and that is when it comes to things like believing in God and uh, trusting in His mercy and being a Christian, that's up to you. But when it comes to stuff like putting on your socks and going to work (laughs) and getting a job, that's up to God, see? So you're making the big decisions, and God's making the small ones. See how that works? Mm Mm-hmm. So God is working in your life to reveal how things should be, especially with the little stuff. Huh. So, um, so, so you have a free will towards the things of God, and you don't. You have a bound will towards the things of man, and you got to see how God is working all this stuff out. Now, I think there's a tyranny here, a, a twofold tyranny. One is we make God into our slave when we have this idea that He's He's saving us because we made some sort of decision. That's just horrible. And then you have a secondary tyranny as you take away the freedom that the Christian has to, in fact, live in this created world with where the Lord has actually given freedom. As if there's one perfect future, one perfect spouse, one perfect thing that you're supposed to do, and no room for creativity and wisdom in the living of our life uh, before each other. And both of those are destroyed by the, this evangelical. And that's what's still going on there. So I say, how is God working in your life? This means how is the Lord uh, kind of individually shaping you and determining your future in the little stuff that's going on? Yeah, that's right. And the other thing that uh, I occurred to me in this question, how is God working in your life? Well, I think of the, the, the chief way, or maybe the chief place that the Lord is working in my life is in the midst of word and sacrament. I mean, there is no greater thing that the Lord is doing in my life other than giving me his body and blood and giving me the word of absolution on and on Sunday morning. Nothing greater exists in my life than that. And yet, that is rather anticlimactic when someone asks you, how is God <laughs> yeah, working right. in your life? That's oh, right. pastor right. preached, me a, uh, preached a sermon to me on Sunday. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and also the Lord works, by the way, uh, through suffering. So that's the other way he's working. <laughs> that's probably not what you want. He's giving so, me man, the cross, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He lays the crosses on us to, to conform us into his image. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a quick one, Pastor Wolfmuller. Um, what's your testimony? Carrie <laughs> <laughs> tells a great story about this because they were going on some sort of something or other where they were going someplace as a you know as a mission trip, big missional thing, and they were supposed to give their testimony. And so Carrie wrote her testimony out and said, "The Lord's always been merciful to me." And they sent it back and said, "Not good enough." <laughs> uh, it didn't pass. That did not. Um... <laughs> Focus on carry enough. Focus way too much on the Lord. Well, we need to go to a commercial break and we get back, and then we'll be playing How Big of a Missionless Star Yet. We'll be right All back. Right. I don't mean to you, baby. 
Talk Radio. It's like spinach. We know you don't want to, but it's good for you. Oh, just how big of a missionless are you? <laughs> Did our listeners That's get great. the reference to that joke? I don't know. Uh, that was Roy D. Mercer. He's on some sort of it's kind of northern Texas radio station, and he'd call he'd call people up and prank call them and say, oh, "How big a boy are you?" And every every boy he'd call is like six, seven, four hundred pounds. <laughs> well, it is in so, Texas, so I'm gonna come down there and. Uh, Open up a can on you. <laughs> that's that's some funny stuff. Not for our littlest of listeners. That's true. But how big of a missionless are you? Is the game what we're playing now? And and we have a certain oh, criteria for go. this, right? Pastor yeah, Martin? we made this long list. It goes on and on. Here it is. Criteria. There's twelve criterium. Criterium. <laughs> Sola missio. Well, number one. Everything in scripture is ignored except for the words regarding mission. Two, you despise vocation. Three, you despise the sacraments. Four, you despise doctrine, the pure kind. <laughs> Five, you despise Christian maturity. Six, you despise the ministry. Seven, you despise church rights. Eight, you use really trendy buzzwords. Nine, the church is a training facility to equip, not give, sending, not forgiving. Ten, the church is organic, not supernatural. Eleven, you emphasize the movement, not the institution. And twelve, you cost other people a lot of money. Hey, that's like <laughs> us. We are so missionalists. Right. Uh, we are. We We're are missionarific. Yeah, I think at least that, if not hyper missionified. Um, yeah. So if you get one, if you get two to four criteria, you are missional. Five to seven, you are missionarific, and eight plus, you are hyper missionified. Nice. This is ridiculous. Uh, what are we doing for our first consideration? Are we doing the one that I had planned, or do you have something? Uh, no, I got something here. You want me to read something? Yeah, this is but... from this book I'm still reading. Well, I finished are it. There, now I'm reviewing it. Great Commission, Great Confusion, Great Confession by Lucas Woodford. This is the book I read from last time. Okay. This and, is and uh, you, in church marketing. You only know that, by the way, because you listened to your own radio show yesterday. Uh, yeah, that's right. Otherwise, I totally you forgot. Have no idea. <laughs> I, I was uh, working on the toilet, and I said, "What would go good? What kind of music would go good with this?" Oh yeah, I'll listen to the podcast. See how we're doing. So, and then I, and then, and uh, to my own great disappointment, I quoted this thing where the guy says, "You're not supposed to be pastors. You're supposed to be." Ranchers, not shepherds. Yeah, I think I was going to use that for today's show. Yeah, that would be hyper missionified because look at that. You have despising vocation, despising the sacraments, um, despising it's everything is wrong yeah, with that. Yeah, that is hyper missionified. I can't talk about it though. We talked about it last time. If you missed that, it was a I think it was a fantastic, probably 20 minute rant <laughs> afterward. Okay, well, but what anyway, else I got another mind? quote. So this is from the book. Evangelical Style and Lutheran Substance. <laughs> okay. For years I taught management in several business schools. I cannot help but look at evangelism as a marketing task. Using that vocabulary, what is the packaging that delivers a church substantive product most effectively? The answer comes from figuring out the first question. What are the consumers looking for? What are their felt needs? Market research helps identify those needs. Good marketers rely heavily on market research using their consumer insights. They help shape and package the product offering so that it has a better chance of getting attention and acceptance. Okay. 
So, so you're gonna... we need a sound effect for throwing up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Here, record this so we have it on the loop. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Now just play that and back. That, and that was lovely. Thank you for doing that for yeah, us. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Here for you and the listeners. All right. So uh, here. I mean, in case anyone didn't know how to react to that, this is how. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, here we're using market research in order to uh, what grow the church rather than no, 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 no. Worse than that, shape and package the product. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, you're going to see what the felt needs are. Yeah. So you see, you so you do market research to determine what the felt needs. So you determine how to package the product. What, now, what the what does they mean by product here? Uh, it is the uh, probably the doctrine, the teaching of the church, or whatever the message. Hmm. That doesn't matter. I mean, it could be popcorn. Hmm. You shape the product based on the felt needs of the people. I mean, I can't believe this nonsense. Well, I have I have one for you. This is uh, a, a video that comes from the. The Verge Network, whatever that is. And this is a uh, clip of Jen Hatmaker, who um, uh, is, is talking under the title, How to Kill Your Missional Community. So you might want to listen to this, Pastor Wolf Miller. Oh, yeah. This is what Jen Hatmaker Because that's says. what I want to do. <laughs> But just allow me for just a couple of minutes to discuss briefly what will kill your missional community before you even ever get it off the ground with all these great strategies and all these paradigm shifts, and it is this, consumerism. Strategies and paradigm shifts. Consumerism is a cancer to missional community. It will destroy it from the inside out. There's the obvious application here in that attempting to build an outward-facing faith community wait, wait, hold, with stop believers who... Outward-facing faith community. <laughs> okay, continue. Oh, okay. Or in- intent <laughs> on just getting their own needs met is simply unsustainable. It's just not going to work. So let me just, I mean, let me just kind of uh, say a, a word here. I, I, I mean, uh, what she's saying here is that what a missional community needs to be all about is looking outside the walls. And if you have a bunch of people who are here to be fed themselves, then they're being consumers. And this is going to destroy the outward facing faith community because they're they're because they're they're facing inward. You mm-hmm. see? OK, so she mm-hmm. continues. But leaders, before we point the finger at all these selfish believers who are stealing all of our time and energy away from being missionaries to our communities, let it be said, if we develop a church bent towards serving the saved, then the already blessed people will come wanting more blessings. It's just that simple. You will draw the type of people who crave what you're offering. Only Christians want 40 Christian programs to choose from, okay? I mean, I have yet to see a skeptic or a non-believer say, you know, I would consider church, but what do I have to do to get Awanas up in here? You know, I'm not hearing it. 
If we're positioned to reach Christians, then Christians we will reach, okay? Not that there's anything inherently wrong with programs, but the church has a very limited amount of resources, both human and financial. So if we consume them all on programs for saved people, then we cannot expect our folks to live on mission elsewhere because they have already spent their expendable time and energy on the church campus. So if we're drowning in a sea of Christian consumers, we better take a hard look at the scaffolding we have built. All right. Um, Oh, sorry. Having a good baseline is a necessity and having a outward-facing faith community. (laughs) I was thinking that that might spell something. O-W... Wait, that's just O. O O-O-F-F. See, yeah. Okay, so Oof. when uh, when when Jesus um, uh, sends out his uh, apostles to, uh, to to baptize and to teach, um, is that does that teaching end once uh, someone uh, <laughs> believes in him? Yeah, that's right. Okay, you're in. You're good. Now get to work. Now, yeah. This yeah. is classic evangelicalism, just with a. I mean, ah. It's so, so, what's so frustrating is to see how evangelicalism, like every 10 years, it just changes the wig they wear. It is the same <laughs> nonsense. So you get the old evangelicalism, then you get the church growth movement, then you get the emergent church, and now we got to be all missionarific. It's the same stuff. Uh, it's, 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 look, once you're a Christian, Jesus doesn't care anymore. Get busy. Yeah. <laughs> Stop now, your whining. It ju- it's just <laughs> fascinating that uh, when St. Paul writes his letters, like the to like, for example, those in Corinth. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't spend any time addressing the Christians there. He really just tells them to go out and get busy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Never mind the Christian. Never Jews. mind Christian teaching. Never mind yeah. uh, an understanding of Christ. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he he concerned to know nothing among them uh, about Christ and Him crucified. He said, <laughs> "Get out, get out there, and be outward facing into the community." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Outward facing. Consumerism is a cancer. And what they mean by consumerism is now it, this could be this, this church that's addicted to programs and, uh, and everything else. I'm, I'm against that, too. So now I, I not only do I want to kill the missional community. That's why I was so interested in the strategy to do it. <laughs> I want to kill all this evangelical stuff because I'd like to just have a church, which is mainly Jesus talking to sinners with his promises. <laughs> Those mean, consumers. Yeah, I know. It's like, wait you know, a minute. Zacchaeus You're was eat? such a consumer, <laughs> as well as the the you know the, the prostitute. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so uh, um, Jesus says to Peter, uh, "Feed my sheep," and this lady says, "Those fat sheep don't even food. <laughs> feed my lambs. Forget the lambs. <laughs> There's wolves out S- there yeah. to find. S- S- send them. Where up. are the goats?" <laughs> Those those sheep want food. Tell those fat and lazy sheep to face outwardly. <laughs> go, go get those wolves. <laughs> All right. Mess. I think uh, I think this is probably missionarific. Tell you what, why don't we count them up during the break? We'll report yep. how she does, and then we'll get into Ten Commandments and the African News. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. You can send us an email at questions at tabletalkradio.org or give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA. We'll be right back.
Talk Radio. After a while, you just get used to it. Ten Commandments, because God loves us. Ten Commandments, and here they are. Be kind, kind, kind with your words. Ask for what you need, don't take Welcome back to Ten Table Talk Radio, playing Ten Commandments in the African News. Welcome back to Ten Commandments in the African News. (laughs) We have never done that before. All right, so welcome back. We were totaling up, by the way, the how big a Michelinist are you thing. I don't know, seven or eight in here. It's right in between missionerific and hypermissionified. All right, that's right on the edge there. Okay. That, by the way, is on our website Keep at tabletalkradio.org under the Articles tab. How big of a missionalist are you? You can read the criteria for yourself there. I'm, I'm kind of happy that when you type in how big a missionalist are you in Google, <laughs> our website comes up first. Because all those people all those people who are typing in how big a missionalist are you are, you know, previously to us finding the I mean, imagine the what they're network. looking for. Right. right. <laughs> now they find us. I wonder what second. Maybe it is the Virgin Network. I'll try that. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, I have an article for you. Are you ready for this? Yeah, man. This says, uh, Madagascar's president takes over, grenade blast kills child. This is a little old from uh, January 25th, so about a month old. But it says, Madagascar's new president, Hiri Rajavamajabana, who won the first election since the coup in 2009. Wait, wait, we need a translator. <laughs> you can't just speak in tongues without a translator on the show? Out of order. So this guy... A spirit of disorder. He, uh, he won the election, the first election since the coup in 2009. And I want to stop. I was there for that coup in 2009. <laughs> Man, I don't so, know if they were going to let you back. So was you President, started a coup the first or, time? <laughs> so was uh, Pastor Hole, by the way, that, uh, who's also going with on, on the trip. Um, Man, I, I, you guys I'm, go and start a coup. I'm just amazed that he's returning because last time we were to Madagascar, he just you know was afraid the entire time. <laughs> Amazing, like a little go. girl. Yeah, he 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 would like uh, put put. He was in the fetal position in the back the back seat of the van during the whole trip. I don't know. He's got his his woolly pulled down over his eyes in the airplane. Don't I don't want to look. I don't want to see it. It was it was more the it was more the van ride because there's not exactly traffic laws in Madagascar, so <laughs> it was it was an adventure. But anyway, um, this election uh, took place Saturday, but his inauguration was marred by an explosion that killed one person and wounded dozens after the ceremony. Government said the initial investigation showed that the blast was caused by a grenade that was thrown near Manasami Stadium, where a musical show was taking place in the event uh, in the evening uh, hours of the inauguration. There. Now, um, look, most I got to tell you this: most of the stories about Madagascar that we need to find for this show need to be about how peaceful it is over there. Oh yeah, J- just for future reference. Well, let me read the next line. This is the first death that occurred in Africa in. 20 years. So <laughs> it sounds like a pretty safe place to be. Nobody has died. I go over there everyone's like 200 years old. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Tinkham Emmett's in that African news story. Well, yeah. So, the, so there's the state. Uh, that's the fourth commandment. Establishes both family and the state. And the elections there. That's orderly. Uh, now that's good. Now the grenade part is probably more along the lines of the fifth commandment, which says you shall not kill. 
Um, and so that'd be fifth commandment. Uh, I didn't hear, uh, there wasn't too much. Hmm. What did it say anything about what the election was about or kind of the, I missed that part. Uh, if there was a, some sort of precedent set or a ideological, um, thing for the president or something. Yeah. The president had earlier pledged to create an investment friendly climate in the Indian ocean Island. Um, the World oh, yeah, Bank be said the World Bank said on Friday that the next step of forming a government was crucial. That the um, that normal leading the normal lending hinged upon the appointment of a new prime minister. Oh, nice! So that so they'd be involved in the world economy mm-hmm. to be Africa's Switzerland or whatever. <laughs> That's all Seventh Commandment stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's about it, I think. How come how come people like to put their banks on islands? You know. I mean, is it don't, doesn't Table Talk Radio account? Isn't it in the Cayman Islands somewhere? <laughs> sure. Oh yeah. Why not? I think that's about it for that. Okay. What else do you have? I got one here. South African illegal mining bodies found in Benoni Mine. The bodies of two illegal miners have been discovered at a disused mine east of Johannesburg in South Africa. The abandoned mine is the same area where 20 illegal miners were recently rescued after being trapped underground for several days. Those miners, who were reportedly trapped by a rival group of illegal miners, were arrested after they emerged from the shaft. <laughs> how about that? You get, you're in there for 20 days? No. How many days? Several days. And then you get out and you get cuffed. Cuff them and stuff them. They are due to appear in court on charges related to illegal mining. Land around the town of Benoni near Johannesburg, is dotted with disused mine shafts, which attract men from around the region, including Lesotho, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe, with the promise of remaining gold deposits. Wow. Mm. So I yeah. wasn't... I wasn't uh, read more. Tell us attention. more. <laughs> Tell us more about this. So this let is, me recap. This is interesting. <laughs> the BBC's Nomsa Maseko in Benoni, says two miners who died are believed to have been killed following a rock fall several days ago. They were discovered by other illegal miners who went underground to search for them after they were missing for about a week. The illegal miners say the police refused to help bring up their bodies, saying it was too dangerous. So they brought up one to the surface themselves on Tuesday morning. The other body, believed to be that of a Zimbabwean man, remains underground. The group trapped illegal miners, the group of trapped illegal miners was discovered on Sunday morning when police heard cries for help while patrolling the area. So they it's illegal to be a miner there? <laughs> no, I don't think it's illegal to be a miner. <laughs> you're, but you're probably supposed to mine on places where you're supposed to. Oh, I see. Like if you came over for dinner and you went out in the backyard and started digging up a hole looking for rubies or something? I thought it was illegal to be under the age of 18 there. <laughs> I get it. Uh, okay, so yeah. uh, so mining <laughs> deals with some industry uh, money-type related things, so that's going to be the yeah. seventh commandment. You should not steal, yeah. Yeah, um, that we should uh, uh, protect our neighbor's money and possessions. Um, also, we have with this the, um, the government saying where it is okay and not okay to, um, uh, to, to mine, and so there you have the fourth commandment, government uh, regulating that. Um, and then you also have this uh, this um, uh, death. I guess I, you know they were killed by this being stuck under a rock or something like this. Um, uh, no, so the rival miners came and put a boulder over the top of their mine shaft. Whoa. Well, maybe not that time, but the previous time. Oh, so it just kind of trapped them then. It, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, so two guys died, but it was happened a week after a whole group got trapped in an undermined underground Whoa. mine. Well, we are yeah. dealing with the fifth commandment there. So um, yeah. 
Uh, Do not you, trap other people in a hole. <laughs> well, and also I was going to say uh, <laughs> that when when you have a competition, that you're uh, you're treating this. I mean, <laughs> did, I mean putting a putting a rock over their mine hole is kind of a. <laughs> kind it's of not a, exactly <laughs> helping them improve and protect their property and income. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we're about, just helping you stay talk, down there longer. Squashing the competition. <laughs> I mean, uh, so yeah, fifth, fifth commandment is involved here too. Um, of course, uh, one is a given because if uh, you break any of the commandments, you're breaking the first commandment. Uh, yep. uh, coveting might be in in play here. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house or mine shafts. Um, <laughs> so uh, ninth. Ninth Commandment. Um, how's that? Do you, you know, this is this is all this Old Testament stuff. Where if you fall in a, in, mostly it was a well because in in Israel you had to dig to get to the water. In Africa you got to dig to get to the gold. But it's the same thing. You're digging down in the ground, and so there's all these stories in the Old Testament about when a cow falls in a mine shaft and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. It's a biblical connection. That's what I'm always looking for. The in. You see. That's, I'm a, I'm a, it's like when I was on Campus Crusade, you know, you're looking for the in for the conversation. Hey, I totally get 500 points for using the buzzword without you noticing, and you get 47 points. Hey! <laughs> Thank you. 47 <laughs> points. <laughs> I saw this, by the way, this TV show called Jungle Gold, where these guys go over to Africa to try to dig up gold. Yeah, just about every single commandment is involved in this. <laughs> That's crazy stuff. So is this like a reality TV show where they're like a film crew uh, going along with, next to people finding gold in Africa? Yep. Hmm, nice. Yep. Right. All right. Well, uh, I think we'll just uh, finish there with Jungle Gold. Uh, you've been... <laughs> That's Think, pretty good. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the gospel you hear in a missional sermon. <laughs> That's tons. That's a lot. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.